Hello, thank you for clicking this button and joining this time uh, for this message today. Wherever you're at, I just pray that you will experience what Jesus wants to speak to you today through this message. Absolutely. And guys, we have lots of things that are going on here at Christ Community Church. Um, so make sure to check out our website. You can look at different groups, different ways you can get connected, lots of events that are going on. Um, so be sure to check that out. Also like and subscribe uh, so that you can get new content, new messages coming into your YouTube feed. Uh, we hope you enjoy the message. Hello, Christ community. Really glad to see all of you. I usually don't like to do kind of announcements, but I want to hear uh, just because we do have kind of a significant announcement um, in terms of service time. So I want you guys to know we listen to your feedback uh, about the time of the service, Saturday night service, and we decided in light of just the amount of feedback we were getting that, that we um, are going to move the service starting November 12th. We're going to move the service to an hour earlier, okay? So five o'clock rather than six o'clock. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that starts November 12th, um, which will be kind of the week right after the time change or whatever, just to confuse you even more. Uh, but starting the 12th, we'll start at five o'clock. All right, so the other day, um, I, was, I was driving past a church and I noticed they had, you know, one of those church signs out front. And it just got me thinking how a church sign is like this church's opportunity to communicate a message to the world, right? To communicate a message to people who would never darken the door of their church. I mean, what an opportunity. Um, so I did a Google image search on church signs, and that was pretty eye-opening. So here, here's one, Lent, not just for belly buttons. Uh, here's another for this time of year, fall for Jesus. He really is unbelievable, I know, these are like painful. Uh, how about this one for that perfect compassionate tone? Tired of being a loser, turn to God. Uh, my personal favorite, don't let worries kill you, let the church help. Okay, but, but these are all serious, these are all real signs. And seriously, I, but I'm so intrigued by this question. As we think about our world right now and all the conflict and all the pain and all the increasing skepticism about Christianity, if you had the opportunity to communicate to the entire world one passage from the Bible, what passage would you choose? If the entire world was watching, what message would you want to communicate? For some of us, we might choose John 3.16, right? Or maybe Psalm 23. But as I've been thinking about that question, I think I would choose the passage that we're looking at today. We're in the midst of a teaching series where we're walking through the book of John, and today we find ourselves in John chapter 13, in which Jesus, in a profound way, demonstrates the heart and the essence of Christianity, and that essence is love, love. The reality is we live in a society that often views Christianity as anything but loving, often Christians are perceived as being judgmental or hypocritical or harsh. I mean, that's the stereotype that, that our culture often carries. And honestly, it's not hard to find evidence of that in the history of, of Christianity, right? Things that support that idea beyond the church signs that we see. But what about the people who used the Bible to argue for the right to own slaves? 
or, or, or who use the Bible to argue for the right to violently conquer infidels in order to spread the gospel, right? And so you see, I, I wonder how different, I think about the history of the church as a whole, the big C church, I wonder how different things would be today if, if the big C church over its long history had chosen this passage, John 13, 1 to 17, to be its North Star how different things would be. Now, obviously, we can't change the past, but we can impact the future. So let's see what Jesus wants to say to us in this passage about really the essence of Christianity, the essence of his mission. John 13, beginning in verse 1, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Okay, so this is Thursday night of Passover week. Jesus knows he is about to be crucified within the next 24 hours. So what is on his heart as he faces the reality of his own execution? John tells us, love, love. John says that Jesus had loved his disciples and now he was gonna show the full extent of his love. Verse two, the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, the first thing that we need to understand here is that in that culture, washing feet was a menial task that was reserved for servants, for slaves. I mean, feet are kind of gross, right? You have the old toenail thing going on, and then you have kind of the smell, sweaty feet. And then in that culture, you have just the, the accumulation, literally, of dirt and mud from wearing sandals. So to wash someone's feet was a menial beneath our pay grade sort of a job. It was that kind of a job that we would look at and say, I'm not doing that. I'm not cleaning toilets. I'm not picking up trash or whatever. It was that kind of a job. It was a job reserved for the lowest on the pecking order, right? The slave, the servant. So here we have Jesus, the night before he's crucified, that he's gonna, you know, the night before he, he's gonna be crucified, he's eating the Passover meal with his disciples, his followers, and he gets up from the table and he, he removes his outer garment, he puts a towel around him, gets a basin, and he begins to wash their feet. Now this is absolutely shocking that, that, that Jesus, their rabbi, their Messiah would be doing this task. And it's clear in the way John writes this paragraph that he wants all of us to understand how significant this is. Because notice what John says right before Jesus starts washing his disciples' feet. Look, in, if you have your Bible there, you can look. John says in verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. So, in light of that, he got up from the table and began to wash feet. I mean, from a worldly human perspective, this makes absolutely no sense. Jesus knows he has ultimate authority over every power, over every political leader, over every kingdom. So what does he do with that kind of power? He chooses to serve. 
He chooses to use his power to serve those under his authority and, and to do so with a task that was reserved for the lowest of the low. I mean, this is so counter to the way our world works, to the way people use power. In our world, the more power a person has, the less likely they are to serve others, right? I mean, we learn this at an early, at a young age, when we realize we can order our younger siblings around. We can use our power to get them to do what we want them to do, as long as mom and dad are not around. I never did that. I was the baby of the family, so I was a victim of injustice. But uh, anyway, um, but this is so often how power is used. It is used to control. It is used to get our agenda accomplished. It is used to make sure we get what we want. And we're, we're seeing a horrible example of this in the Ukraine right now, where, where a power-hungry leader wants more um, more and more for himself, right? And he's just using his power to get what he wants, even when it means the destruction of millions of people's lives, people fleeing, refugees, millions of people being killed, civilians, all of that. It is so heartbreaking to see the devastation that results when, when someone in power uses their power to serve themselves no matter what the cost to anyone else. Unfortunately, the world is, is used to examples like that. We are, we are used to seeing people in power use their power to serve themselves, which is what makes Jesus' actions here so mind-blowing. He had all the power in the world. He could have asked anyone to do anything for him, but he chose not to use his power in that way. He chose to use his power to serve. In fact, I find it really interesting the language John uses in verse 3 there. The NIV translates this, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. That's the way the NIV translates it. But when you look at the original Greek, what it actually says is the Father put all things into his hands. These hands that hold the universe in place are wiping mud off the feet of his disciples, including the feet of Judas, his betrayer. I mean, that, that, that Judas thing deserves a whole sermon in and of itself, which is what is going to happen next week. Uh, we focus on the second part of, of John 17. But what Jesus does here is absolutely staggering. He, he truly is showing the full extent of his love. He is willing to humble himself to get dirty in order to serve a need that his disciples had, including the disciple who was about to betray him. I mean, this kind of love is, it is, I don't have any words, right? It is, it's, it's amazing. Okay, but, but honestly, it's more than that. When you, when, you, when you get close to this kind of love, it's more than that. Because it's not only amazing, it's a little unsettling for those who are his followers. Check out Peter's response. Verse 6, he came to Simon Peter. So Jesus is working his way around the table, and he gets to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? 
Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Um, never say never to Jesus, right? But anyway, you'll never wash my feet. So when Jesus gets to Peter to wash his feet, Peter refuses. I mean, he's thinking, this is all wrong. This is all wrong. Here's Jesus, the one for whom Peter has given up everything to follow, the one that Peter has seen do miracles, the one Peter believes is the Messiah. So when Jesus gets to Peter to wash his feet, Peter is like, no, I cannot have you do that. I'm supposed to be serving you, not the other way around. And Jesus says, look, Peter, right now, look, I know this doesn't make sense to you, but it will. One day you're going to understand the significance of what I'm doing, even though right now this is making you very uncomfortable. Now I want to stop for a moment here, and I want us to think about what's happening in this moment and how it applies to us. Why is Peter uncomfortable? Well, think about this. How comfortable are you and me? with a savior who would wash our feet. How comfortable are you with a love like that, a love that actually moves toward the dirty, stinky places of our lives and offers us cleansing? See, so often we're just like Peter. We love Jesus, we wanna serve Jesus, we're gonna take a hill for Jesus, whatever, we love, but we don't, we don't feel comfortable with him getting too close. We can't imagine that he would love us in those places of shame, in those places where we don't feel acceptable or worthy, in that sexual struggle, in that place of regret, in, in, in the aftermath of a failed marriage or whatever. See, Jesus' love drawing near to us in those places feels like more than we can handle. A Savior who is willing to see and wash those places that we're ashamed of. I mean, that makes us uncomfortable. But this is exactly what Jesus is offering us. He, he wants to move toward those shameful places in us. But, but of course, Jesus doesn't force this upon us. This is so important. In fact, when Peter says, no, you shall never wash my feet, Jesus doesn't say, oh, yes, I will. You just hold still. I'm going to do this whether you like it or not. That's not what he does. Jesus doesn't violate Peter's free will. Verse 8, Jesus answered, well, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Very interesting. Unless you allow me to enter into those places, you have no part with me. It's like somehow the relationship is dependent upon our willingness to allow Jesus to love us in this way. And again, it, but it's so beautiful. Jesus isn't forcing this. He, he's inviting him into this experience of, of vulnerable closeness this intimacy with him, allowing him to do this for Peter. And, and friends, look, this is a choice all of us have. It's a crucial choice. Are we willing to allow Jesus into those places in our lives, into those places of shame, those places of failure, those places of insecurity, of fear, of self-hatred, of struggle? Rather than keeping him at an arm's length because of our shame, are we willing to actually welcome him, his love, into those places? And if not, if not, we're actually missing out 
on a crucial part of what Jesus invites us into, a crucial part of what intimacy with him looks like and closeness with him looks like. So I love Peter's response, verse 9. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, just, not just my feet, my hands and my head as well. Um, you know, in other words, okay, let's go for it. Uh, you, know, you can have all of me. Um, and I, I, love, I love the passion and the childlike exuberance in Peter's heart. His heart is now eagerly saying, okay, Lord, let's go for it. It's eagerly saying yes to Jesus. But the practicalities of what he's saying, they don't really work. Verse 10, Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said, not every one of you was clean. So Jesus is kind of reining in Peter's enthusiasm, his, his exuberant response, just with practical reality. Um, and, and, and he's also honing in on what the symbolism of washing feet represented. It symbolized a spiritual cleansing that, that resulted from Jesus' willingness to serve them and eventually lay down his life for them on the cross for their ultimate cleansing. Okay, so that, that's the dynamic here. Part of this he's, he just did, part of it's just about to happen. And that's why later on you're going to understand the significance of all of this. Okay, so imagine in your mind, imagine this scene. Jesus quietly going around the table and he's serving each disciple by washing their feet. And other than Peter's words that we just read, I'm guessing no one was saying much of anything as they're just trying to comprehend what is happening in this moment. Their Messiah is choosing to take on the nature of a servant doing a menial task reserved for the lowest of society all because of love. See, this is the Jesus that I would love to be able to share with the world. This is the, I would love for the world to be able to see this Jesus rather than the negative perceptions people have regarding Christianity being too you know, political or hypocritical or hate-filled or whatever. I want everyone in the world to see the real Jesus, the all-powerful Lord of the universe who loves people to the end, who chooses to humbly serve people, even his enemies. I mean, man, seeing this Jesus would certainly dismantle some of the stereotypes people have about Christianity and about the heart of God and the gospel and all of that. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't that be awesome? So how can that happen? Other than people actually reading this passage, John 13, or church signs, maybe putting this on the sign, I don't know how effective that would be. But anyway, how could this happen? How could this beautiful, powerful picture, this accurate understanding of Jesus, get shared with and impact the world? Well, Jesus tells us, verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. This is one of the most incredibly powerful, life-changing teaching moments, right? I mean, seriously. 
For the last several minutes, these disciples have watched Jesus, their Lord and Messiah, going around the table, washing each of their feet. And then when he's done, he puts on his outer garment, puts that back on, he goes back to the table, and then he says to them, do you understand the significance of what I've just done? I, your Lord and teacher, have just served you, and now I am commanding you to do the same to follow my example. I want you to serve others the way I have served you. I want you to love others the way I have loved you. What I've just demonstrated to you, I want that to be your North Star. I want that to be the model for how you are to live in this world, for how you are to treat other people. Jesus is saying, look, I want my followers to be the chief servants to go against the world's way of jockeying for position and ordering other people around. If you want to follow me, Jesus says, you need to become a servant. Rather than powering up, you need to power down. Rather than yelling at the server who got your order wrong, I want you to serve them. Rather than seeing your life through the lens of being served by others and how can other people serve me, I want you to live your life through the lens of serving others. Jesus is saying, this is how I want you to live. I want you to follow my example and serve one another. Now, look, I don't want us to, 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 um, to miss the importance of what's happening here in the book of John. This is basically the first time in the book of John where, John, where Jesus has talked about how he wants us to treat one another. See, the book of John, as you know, if you've been here, you know, we've been walking through the first 12 chapters. The book of John doesn't have the Sermon on the Mount in it commanding us to love our enemies. The book of John doesn't include the story of the Good Samaritan. It doesn't mention the golden rule. This is the first time in the book of John where we see Jesus talking about how he wants us to treat each other. This is huge. This is like a defining moment in this book where all the focus of the first 12 chapters and us understanding who Jesus is, I am this, I am this, I am the bread of life, all this, this wonderful information about who Jesus is, suddenly all of that goes horizontal. Jesus says, this is how I want you to live. This is how my followers are to treat one another. This is what genuine belief in me looks like. Okay, now, now given this reality, given how foundational this is to the life Jesus is calling us to live, what keeps us from living this way? What keeps us from embracing this kind of attitude and lifestyle? Could I be really blunt and honest um, in answering this question, um, what keeps us from serving others? Here's my theory. We don't want to. We don't want to. I don't want to listen to my spouse share about their day. I'm tired. I don't want to clean up, clean up dinner when I've had a long day. I'll let my parents do it. I don't want to help my friends move on, their, on my day off. I don't want to serve at the food bank when I have other things I could be doing. I don't want to volunteer at the kids' ministry or prayer ministry at church. That would mean I have to commit to being at church regularly. What if I want to do something else? I'm retired. I've done my time. Let someone else be involved in that ministry. Let someone else serve. I mean, I could go on and on, right? There are all sorts of opportunities we have to serve others, and we choose not to 
because we don't want to. It's not convenient. It's not what we want to do with our time. We'd rather do our own thing. Look, I mean, that, look, I'm just trying to be honest here. That, that's kind of our reality. At least that's my reality. Maybe I'm the only one, uh, but, but I don't think so. We, we, we like to live our lives with, with self at the center, which means serving others is not really a, a priority. Um, and so I want you to look at how Jesus addresses this. He, he kind of does here in verse 16. He says, very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. So notice what Jesus is saying here. No servant is greater than their master. And our master, Jesus, has just demonstrated his willingness to serve, to do this menial task for someone else. So when we think to ourselves, I don't want to serve others. I don't want to do what I want to do. What we're actually doing is placing ourselves over Jesus, our master. We're basically saying, Jesus, I don't want you to be master. I want to be master. I want to do what I want to do, right? No servant is greater than his master. That's what he's saying here. And when we're saying, nope, I'm not doing that, we're putting ourselves above him. See, this is a heart issue. To follow Jesus means that this self-absorbed part of us that would like to be running the show, that part of us needs to bow its knee to Jesus. We, we need to die to this self-absorbed part of us. We, we need to intentionally choose to go against this self-centered bent that we all have in order to align our hearts with Jesus' heart, in order to get out of the self-centered vortex that we often just create over the course of our lives. So for me personally, this passage has been kind of a kick in the butt uh, a little bit uh, because I'm, I'm realizing, maybe more than a little bit, I'm realizing how so much of my life is about what I want to do when I want to do it. And I realize how naturally I just settle into this kind of self-absorbed lifestyle. Maybe the older I get, I don't know, but it's just, just naturally settle into this. And, and look, it would be so easy for me just to keep on that path. It's easy. So the other day, I decided to sign up for Kids Hope. So I'm going to be mentoring a child at Maplewood Elementary for an hour a week, stepping out of my comfort zone a little bit. And, and, and look, I, I'm telling you, I had all these reasons. I'd been thinking about it, but I had all these reasons um, in my mind about why I couldn't do that. You know, busyness and time and how as senior leader, you know, I need to be doing all these really important things but then I realized all those things are just excuses that keep me focused on me, <laughs> right? They, they just keep me focused on me. And so I needed to intentionally break out of my me focus and let Jesus be more in charge of my life, to intentionally choose to follow his example, and now I know what I'm saying here feels a little bit like, come on, let's just gut this out, you know, which is, uh, and there, there's a part of that that's sort of true. I mean, at some level, I don't know if Jesus really was, woohoo, I get to wash the disciples' feet. You know, I, I don't know if there's that sort of woohoo kind of thing going on. Um, and, so, and so there is a sense in which, yeah, we just kind of intentionally decide this, but there's another, there's another sense in which I think Jesus did want to do that because of his love for them. And I think this goes back to what Jesus said to Peter, you'll have no part of me if you're not willing to let me wash your feet. I think what, what I want us to realize is not, yeah, you come on, come on, let's serve more. 
yeah, but what's the reason? The, the reason is a response to a Savior who served us, right? The reason is a response to a Savior who gave his life for us on the cross and who was willing to wash the disciples' feet. He's willing to serve us. And our response is, yeah, my life is so self-centered, I, but I want to serve you, Jesus. And so in that kind of a paradigm, we began looking for ways to follow him in that way. It's love that's ultimately motivating us to serve, right? But sometimes we got to just choose it. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a, there's a tension there. I'm not trying to say it's one or the other, but there's a tension. I just don't want us to lose sight of the reality that this is a response to a Savior who is willing to move towards our stinky feet, right? Who is willing to move towards us in our shame and our brokenness. And when we allow him to do that, Jesus says, you have a part of me. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do this together. You've allowed me to serve you in that way. You've experienced my love in that way. Now share it with the world. Share it with the world. Okay, so this is, this, this is a call. Jesus is calling us to a radically different way of living. But again, it's rooted in a response to his love. Okay, now, now the, there's another cool thing that's really motivating, I think. Look at what Jesus says next, verse 17. Now, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So Jesus is saying, if you choose this lifestyle of serving others in response to my love, look, it's not gonna be easy, you know? It's not always gonna be, ooh, can't wait. But, but, but it will be filled with blessing. There are huge blessings that come from these decisions we make to serve others. <clears throat> I mean, one blessing is, is that it just breaks us out of this very empty way of living where it's all about us. I mean, our society continually feeds this narrative that life is all about you. It's all about us. It's our iPhone. It's my playlist, right? It's, yeah, everything is it's just it's catered to us. And yet look at the emptiness that results from living this way. We, we have more in the way of creature comforts than any society in human history, and yet we have more, we're more anxious and depressed than any society in history. See, serving breaks us out of this vortex of self and into the joy and satisfaction of helping someone else, of, of, off, of, of being focused on someone else's needs. I mean, last week, if you were last week, you know, we, we looked how Jesus said, truly I tell you, this is John 12, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the, to the earth and dies, it remains alone. Interesting, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. See, a self-centered life is a lonely life. But when we choose to serve someone else, it brings life into our hearts and also into theirs. I mean, another blessing of serving is in knowing that someone else's life is better because we took the time to serve them. Who, who can put a price tag on that? That kind of blessing far outweighs the adrenaline rush we get from another Amazon Prime shopping spree. It, it, it connects us in a real way with the dynamic reality of the kingdom that genuine life is found when we give ourselves away. <laughs> I mean, Jesus kept saying that over and over again. He's modeling it here. Genuine life is found when we actually give ourselves away when we serve someone else. I mean, and, and the, the reality is too, you and I, this is so cool, you and I have been given all sorts of resources from God to use as stewards of his. Right? Think about it. All the resources that we've been given by God 
the breath we have, right? The resource of time, the resource of financial resources or whatever. We have the resource of spiritual gifts that God has given to each of us. We have the resource of experience and various abilities to listen, to smile, to reach out, to read a story to, to hang out with, to pray, to help fix something, to help do something. God has given each of us all these amazing resources. And he says, I want you to use those resources to bless other people, to serve other people. And when you do, you're going to experience blessing beyond what you could ever imagine, not only in this life, but in the life to come. So this, this passage here, this seminal core key passage in, in, in the book of John, and I think in the New Testament, this is a, it's a sobering and yet it's also an inspiring reminder that from God's perspective, the significance of your life and my life is not going to be measured in terms of successes and trophies and accomplishments. It's going to be measured in terms of our servanthood. Have I served well? Have I loved like Jesus loves? All right, let's pray. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you to take what we've heard and now apply it to each one of our lives. So I, wanna, I want you just to quiet your heart and let's just see what Jesus is saying to each of us. And I, I want to give a couple of responses here. First of all, I want us to think about this idea of Jesus washing Peter's feet, about Jesus moving towards these places that we're ashamed of, places that make us uncomfortable, just a little too vulnerable, places where we feel weak, we feel dirty, we feel ashamed. And I'm wondering, are you willing to allow Jesus to move towards you in that place? To love you in that place? And so let's just do that in a moment. Just in the quiet of our heart. Just imagine Jesus moving towards you in this place of shame, of failure, of regret, of sin, whatever it is. moving toward with his love. Jesus, is there anything you want to say to us in that place? Anything you want to do for us in that place. God, we welcome you into these places and we ask for forgiveness. We pray for cleansing. We pray for transformation and love. Jesus, we don't want to keep anything from you. We want to be like, like Peter, then wash all of, all of his Lord. We, we want to have a, a part of you, as you say. We don't want to withhold anything. So we welcome you into these places and we want to experience you in a deepening way, Jesus, to experience your love and be transformed by that. Just come more, more, Lord. More of your love in those places. Mm. 
And as we experience that more and more, a Jesus who meets us in those places and serves us in that way, we want to respond by saying, yeah, by serving. So Holy Spirit, would you show us where you're inviting us to serve someone? God, if there are specific steps you want us to take in a particular relationship or a ministry or something or a neighbor with a neighbor, God, would you just lay it on our heart? The steps you want us to take to kind of move out of the self-absorbed orientation and to reflect your heart in that, God. All because of love. We love you. We've received your love and we want to follow you in serving others. So show us, Lord. (laughs) Open our eyes to see those opportunities we have throughout our day and in our marriage and our family and our neighbor, whatever. Just open our eyes to see and and just help us step into those places to partner with you and showing the world what you're really like. God, do that in us. Thank you for this opportunity now, God, we have just to worship you. Whether we're standing, sitting, kneeling, we're here for you, God. This space is yours. Our hearts are yours. So speak to us and move in us, we pray. Hey, so wherever you're at right now coming out of this message, if you're feeling inspired or you feel ready to take an extra step or ponder about it or pray about it, we're here for you and we would love to connect with you. Uh, We invite you to come check out the website if you do feel like you're in a place that you want to try out serving, or if you need prayer, we have a live chat on our website that we're there for you to pray for you. You can submit prayer requests as well at any time. Uh, So we invite you to continue to engage with what God is doing in you right now. Yes, we hope you guys have a great week.